0: Jesus what a friend of sinners Jesus lover of my soul Jesus what a strength in weakness Jesus what a help in sorrow Jesus what a guide and keeper Jesus I do now receive him let's stand and sing Jesus what a friend of sinners Jesus
1: what a friend of sinners Jesus. a son.
0: So loved the world, that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him might have everlasting life. For God sent not his Son into the world to condemn the world, but rather that the world through him might be saved. He looked beyond my fault and sang my need, saw my need. Amazing grace shall always be my
1: song of praise, for it was grace that bought my life.
0: While we were still helpless, at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. For one will hardly die for a righteous man, though perhaps some might die for a good man. But God demonstrates his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Much more then, having been justified by His blood, we shall be saved from the wrath of God through Him. Almighty God, tonight we do come with a sense of awe. As we ponder that which we contemplate this evening, O Lord. Tonight we pray that by your Holy Spirit, we might be able to enter that upper room where Jesus sat with his disciples, and having already spoken to them of his coming death, he took some of the unleavened bread, and broke it, and passed among them and said, This which is broken is for you. Take, eat. This is my body. And then taking the last cup of the Passover, he said, This is the covenant of blood for you. All of you drank of it. And we recall the words that he had spoken earlier in which he said, Except you eat my flesh and drink my blood, you have no life in you. These thoughts stagger us, O God. We pray that by your Holy Spirit tonight, we might perceive these things in a depth that we have never perceived them before because of your work within us. Thank you, God. Thank you, God, for your great love that has been bestowed upon us, manifested through the sacrifice of Jesus. Amen. Here is love. Vast as the ocean, loving kindness is the flood. When the prince of life, our ransom, shed for us his precious blood. Here is love, vast
1: as the ocean, loving kindness as the flood. When the prince of life, our ransom, shed for us his precious blood. Boundless, throwing out
0: my heart to Thee. John chapter 1, beginning with verse 19. This is the testimony of John. When the Jews sent to him priests and Levites from Jerusalem to ask him, Who are you? He confessed and did not deny, but confessed, I am not the Christ. They asked him, What then? Are you Elijah? He said, I am not. Are you the prophet? And he answered, No. Then they said to them, well, who are you so that we may give an answer to those who sent us? What do you say about yourself? He said, I am a voice of one crying in the wilderness. Make straight the way of the Lord, as Isaiah the prophet said. The next day he saw Jesus coming to him and said, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. You may be seated. By our calendar, the year was 1447 BC. And it was an early spring night. then suddenly, with a rising crescendo throughout the land of Egypt, there began heart-wrenching cries and deep screams. Death had fallen upon Egypt like a suffocating blanket. In every home, and in every flock, the firstborn of every family and the firstborn of every one of the cattle had suddenly experienced death. There were no exceptions. Whether in the palace of Pharaoh or in the humblest dwelling of a slave, there was no exception, except (laughs) the one exception, In the land of Goshen, where the Hebrews lived, there was no death, there was no wailing, there was no crying. Not a single family experienced death that night. The horror that had flooded Egypt was not theirs. What was this all about? Why did the... Hebrews escaped this supernatural plague. Well, the story begins when God, through Moses, sent word to Pharaoh, let my people go. Nine times that commandment was given to Pharaoh, and nine times Pharaoh refused. And nine times God brought plagues upon Egypt to demonstrate to Pharaoh that none of his gods were equal to Jehovah. First was water turned to blood, and next the land covered with frogs, frogs everywhere, and then gnats and lice inhabiting everyone's dwelling and body. And then flies filled the air. And after that, livestock were diseased. And then boils came upon people. Thunder and destructive hail destroyed all of their crops. Locusts then came upon the land. And then supernatural darkness came upon Egypt, except in the land of Goshen where the Hebrews lived. But nine times, Pharaoh had refused to obey the command of God, let my people go. And so now, the tenth supernatural plague came upon Egypt, the angel of death. God had warned the Hebrews. He had told them that in that night the death angel was going to come upon the land and there would be no exceptions in every home, in every horse stall, in every flock in the field. The firstborn would die. He was sending his death angel. But then he said, I'm going to give you a covering that will protect you. Let me read from Exodus chapter 12. Speak to all the congregation of Israel, saying, On the tenth of this month they are each one to take a lamb for themselves, according to their father's households, a lamb for each household. Your lamb shall be an unblemished male, a year old. You may take it from the sheep or from the goat. You shall keep it until the fourteenth day of the same month. And then the whole assembly of the congregation of Israel is to kill it at twilight. They shall take some of the blood and put it on the two doorposts and on the lintel of the houses in which they eat it. This is Jehovah's Passover. For I will go through the land of Egypt on that night. I will strike down all of the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both man and beast, And against all the gods of Egypt, I will execute judgment. I am Jehovah. The blood shall be a sign for you on the houses where you live. When I see the blood, I will pass over you. And no plague will befall you to destroy you when I strike the land of Egypt. And the Hebrews, the descendants of Jacob, the people of Israel, did as God had commanded. They slew the lamb, and they put the blood on the doorpost and the lentil. And that night when the death angel passed through Egypt, none of the Hebrews spent that night in fear because they trusted in the blood. After they had been freed from Egypt and were in the wilderness, the Lord God offered them a special covenant. And they accepted the covenant. And God then set them aside in the covenant by the sprinkling of blood. Let me read that account in Exodus 24. He sent the young men, the sons of Israel, they offered burnt offerings and sacrificed young bulls as peace offerings to Jehovah. Moses took half the blood and put it in basins, and the other half of the blood he sprinkled on the altar, and then he took the book of the covenant and read it in the hearing of the people. And they said, "All that the Lord has spoken to us, we will do, we'll be obedient." You see, they were accepting the covenant. So Moses took the blood, sprinkled it on the people, and said, Behold, the blood of the covenant which Jehovah has made with you in accordance with all of these words. From that time on, the people of Israel knew that they had been set apart unto Jehovah. They were his unique possession out of all of the nations of the world, they were his. And that, of course, had been sealed with the blood of a sacrificial covenant. From that moment on, they trusted in the efficacy of the blood to say, we are God's people. Even though they were in covenant with God, it was necessary for them also to be free from the stain of sin because sin separates us from God, and regardless of who we are, none of us is perfect whether a king, a slave, or a nation. Because of this, God instituted an annual blood sacrifice called the Day of Atonement. And on this day, a special national sacrifice was offered for the sins that the people had committed during the past year. Leviticus chapter 16 gives in great detail how that was to be done. Blood was taken and placed upon the Ark of the Covenant. Blood was placed upon the altar. There was a scapegoat on which sins were put, and He was driven into the wilderness. But it was a blood sacrifice. The conclusion of Leviticus 16 summarizes that day. It is on this day that atonement shall be made for you to cleanse you, You shall be clean from all of your sins before Jehovah. It is to be a Sabbath of solemn rest for you that you may humble your souls. It is a permanent statue. Now you shall have this as a permanent statue to make atonement for the sons of Israel for all of their sins once a year. Concluding that day, when the day of atonement ended, The people of Israel knew that as a nation, they stood sinless before God. They trusted in the blood. But in addition to that national day of atonement, the Lord also provided for those who throughout the year committed sins and they were aware of the fact they had sinned and God made a means For their atonement. When an Israelite sinned. And realized that he had sinned. His conscience convicted him. Or he realized he had violated one of the laws of God. He would come to the priest. With a sacrifice. Most were blood sacrifices. And it was offered in behalf of his sins. Having done that. The individual Israelite. Walked away. Feeling free of sin. Because he had trusted in the blood. And so God had provided protection from the death angel in the Passover. They trusted in the blood. He had consecrated the people with covenant blood. He had provided for national atonement with the Day of Atonement and also through the offering of blood sacrifices for individual sins. And all of these were efficacious because they trusted in the blood. And tonight, we're here because we trust in the blood. Not the blood of bulls and goats, but the blood of Jesus Christ sacrificed upon the cross. Tonight, the cross is draped in purple... Because it awaits royalty. And tomorrow royalty will be sacrificed upon that cross. Hebrews chapter 10 contains some wonderful statements concerning our Passover and the atoning blood of Jesus. Let me read these. Verse 4. It is impossible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sin, but by this will we have been sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. Every priest stands daily ministering and offering time after time the same sacrifice, which can never take away sins, but he, Jesus Christ, having offered one sacrifice for sins for all time, sat down at the right hand of God. For by one offering he has perfected for all time those who are sanctified. This is the covenant that I will make with them after those days, says the Lord. I will put my laws upon their heart and upon their mind, And I will write them, he then says, and their sins and their lawless deeds, I will remember no more. Tonight, as we come to participate in the Lord's Supper, again we seek by faith to place ourselves in that room with Jesus and his disciples where there was one who would betray him before the night was over. And we seek to picture that moment when Jesus took that unleavened bread and broke it and said, this which is broken is my body, it is for you. All of you eat of it. And then the cup saying, all of you drink of this cup, for this is the new covenant in my blood. And again, as we prayed, we remember that interesting statement of Jesus, except you eat my flesh and drink my blood, you have no life in you. God had always prohibited the eating of blood. He said, the life is in the blood. When you kill an animal... Drain the blood before you eat it. If you're out and you're hunting and you kill an animal, drain the blood and cover it with earth because life is in the blood. And when blood was sacrificed upon the altar, life was being sacrificed. And then Jesus made this startling statement that even though in the past, blood should never be ingested, He said, at least spiritually, unless you eat my flesh and drink my blood, you have no life in you. When we partake of the Lord's Supper in ways that we cannot explain, we receive some kind of an endowment of life that is beyond, as we say, explanation. This is a sacred night as we are in the presence by faith in the presence of the body and blood of Jesus. Paul scolded the Corinthian church because he said when you come together you think you're coming together to partake of the Lord's Supper but you're not because of the irreverence that was present in the meeting and then he said let a man examine himself and so let him eat of the bread and drink of the cup tonight as we prepare to partake of the Lord's Supper we ask the Holy Spirit to put a spiritual mirror in front of each one of us. Oh God, tonight let each of us see ourselves as you see us. If there's a corner of our life where you are not Lord and we are unaware of that, please put a searchlight on that corner that we might see it and in repentance. Surrender that to you. Oh God, put that mirror in front of us tonight. Those things of which we need to repent. You know, after we walk with God for a while, the gross sins that plagued us years ago just aren't there anymore. But at a deeper level, sometimes it's harder to surrender those things that God points out to us than those gross sins which were surface activities of our younger years. Perhaps it is pride. Perhaps it is a judgmental nature. Perhaps it is a tendency to gossip. Oh, perhaps lack of faith. But tonight we ask that God would put that mirror in front of each of us individually. That we might be aware of that which needs to be repented of, surrendered to Him. That tonight we can walk away from the table because we trusted in the blood. Knowing that those things are covered. Tonight it is possible for each of us to look around this room at one another and say in all truth, I'm going to spend eternity with you because you and I trust the blood. We trust the cross of Jesus Christ to be sufficient, to remove everything that is a barrier to our spending eternity together in the presence of God. But if we walk in the light, as He Himself is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus His Son cleanses us from all sins. If we say we have no sin, we're deceiving ourselves, and the truth is not in us. But if we confess our sins... He is faithful and righteous to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. As we confess our shortcomings to God, we are ready (laughs) to receive anew that cleansing. Now tonight... You'll move to one of the three tables at your own schedule and your own leisure to partake of the Lord's Supper. We'll have three elders available, ask Dave Troutman to be here, Bruce Clutter there, and Gordon Wright here. And so you might go to any of these tables to partake of the loaf and the cup in any manner in which you wish, gathering together as a family or individually, but we receive now the Lord's Supper. O oh, Father God, we do pray that tonight indeed you will meet us in a special way as we come to your table, that none of us will be able to approach the Lord's Supper and walk away being the same person that we were before we approached that table. We pray, God, for a new level of commitment to you, a new sense of holiness, a new horror of the evil of sin, and a new gratitude for your forgiveness. We ask that through your Holy Spirit, we will meet you tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. Feel free to move to the Lord's table. Of our faith, having met the blood of Jesus, it is well with my soul. When peace
1: like a river attend my Oh, mm-hmm.
0: Now the God of peace, who brought up from the dead the great shepherd of the sheep, through the blood of the eternal covenant, even Jesus our Lord, equip you in every good thing to do his will, working in us that which is pleasing in his sight, through Jesus Christ, to him be the glory forever and ever. Amen. Tonight as you are leaving we ask you to leave quietly because there's some who like to sit for a while and meditate upon the cross let's not interfere with their reverie we're dismissed